Welcome to About a Book, the podcast that tells you the real story behind the world's most iconic books. Hello, dear listener. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jade, and if you've never heard this podcast before, basically, I pick an author, I talk about their life, how their life influenced their biggest masterpiece, and how that masterpiece has influenced pop culture. And since it's Halloween time, I wanted to do another spooky book. And what says Halloween more than the very first science fiction novel, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? If you haven't read the book yet, here's the rundown. Scientist Victor Frankenstein stitches body parts together and creates life. He is horrified by his creation and deserts the unnamed monster. His creation is intelligent and emotional, but is so hurt by his creator's rejection and refusal to make him a girlfriend that he decides to take revenge. Victor tries to save those around him from the consequences of his actions, but is it too late? This is actually my second time recording this episode because the first time around I tried to be a little tech whiz and I messed up the audio. So if these first few episodes start sounding a little bit dodgy, please bear with me. I'm trying to get the hang of recording and editing all by myself. I actually really enjoyed researching this episode. I didn't know that much about Mary Shelley before and she had so many ups and downs in her life. You're going to want to stick around for this one. So let's just get into it. Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin was born on the 30th of August, a Virgo queen like myself, in 1797 in London. She came from very well-known parents. Her father was William Godwin, and he was a philosopher and a writer, and he was kind of known for being a controversial figure because he had some kind of crazy views. For example, he believed that law corrupted society, and that everyone would be better off if they just kind of did their own thing. Eh, I'm not really sure about that one. Her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft, and she was also very well-known, and she kind of was known to be quite controversial as well because she was one of the first feminist activists. (gasps) Her parents were quite forward-thinking for the time and didn't even really believe in marriage. In fact, her mom actually already had a daughter from a previous relationship, so the fact that William was kind of unfazed by this shows that they weren't really concerned about trying to fit in with societal norms. Mary's mother died 11 days after giving birth to her, and this is something that kind of stuck with Mary for her whole life. She would kind of obsess over her mom's books and her ideas, and she felt like she really got to know her through her writing. She also really just liked to casually chill by her graveside, read books there, kind of chill out. It was like her kind of sanctuary. After Mary's mother passed away, her father wrote a biography of her, and it became very well known. Back then, biographies were kind of written to praise a person, and it kind of glossed over all the flaws, but this was more like a kiss and tell expose. It kind of made her mom out to be this mad woman and kind of undermined everything she said about feminism. So this kind of gave the family a kind of dodgy reputation. But young Mary was really unfazed by this and she was really close to her dad. The family dynamic was soon to change though because William knocked up the next door neighbour. Yep, and this woman already had two kids so they were about to become one big happy blended family. Mary never really accepted her father's decision to get remarried and she never really liked this woman, Mary Jane. They were always fighting and, you know, there's a lot of tension in the house and Mary kind of saw her as this kind of evil stepmother. Now, I don't really know if that's fair or not or if Mary was just being this moody teenager but in true evil stepmother fashion, she sent her own daughter Claire off to school but was like to her dad, oh, there's no need for Mary to go to school. Like, she'll be fine, darling. You can just teach her. Oh, wow, I'm already voice acting. This podcast just keeps getting better and better. But anyway, (laughs) this homeschooling thing actually ended up working out for Mary because her parents had actually started their own publishing company. They lived above it. So her house was kind of had all these writers and intellectuals 
coming and going all the time. So she got to meet some really cool people. And then one day when she was 16 years old, in walks the romantic poet Percy Shelley. Her second name kind of gives a big spoiler about how this is going to go, but just let me tell the story. He was this charming, rebellious, posh kid, estranged from his father and freshly expelled from Oxford. So yeah, kind of a bad boy, but who doesn't love a bad boy? He was also a huge fan of her father, kind of stalkerish actually. He was always calling in, sending letters, just always wanting his attention. But her dad kind of turned a blind eye because Percy had a lot of money and he was willing to invest it in his favourite scholar. So this is kind of how the two got to know each other better. They would take long romantic walks, talking about books and philosophy, but soon they moved on to other things, if you know what I'm saying. Bow chicka bow bow. Mary was smitten though, she'd never kind of felt this connection before and he was this cool older man. There was only one minor inconvenience and that was that he was married with a pregnant wife and child. <laughs> what a scrub-a-dub-dub. Percy was like pretty open about this though and kind of unashamed. He believed in, you know, free love, having multiple partners. But I don't really think his wife felt the same way. This didn't stop them though because if romantic novels have taught us anything, it's that there's nothing more romantic than forbidden love. So they kind of just had to keep their relationship on the down low for a while. They would just kind of sneak around and rumour has it she even lost her virginity on her mother's graveside. Kind of weird but when you're a teenager in the 1800s trying to keep up a secret relationship, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know what I mean? And her sister Claire kind of was always surveilling the relationship and she kind of acted as this go-between, sending notes and kind of helping them keep in contact. But one day, they just couldn't fight the feeling anymore and had to come clean to Mary's family. Needless to say, her dad was not quite happy with her dating this older married man and he was like, Mary, if this goes on for any longer, like, I'm gonna just stop talking to you, like, we're gonna lose contact. And she was just like, oh, dad, like, you don't understand, I'm a teenager, I'm in love, he's different, we're like, we're meant to be. And, you know, in true romantic fashion, they ran away in the middle of the night in these black cloaks and they went to Italy along with her sister Claire, because as I said, she was always third wheeling for some reason. They also explored Switzerland, and Mary says that this time in her life was like living in a novel, you know? Away from home for the first time with the love of your life, exploring a new place. But soon the rose-tinted glasses fell straight off. They ran out of money and they had to swallow their pride and come home. Somewhere along this rendezvous, Mary realised she was pregnant. So yep, this was like a real-life 16 and pregnant type situation. She was broke, she was facing all this public backlash for dating a married man, and her family weren't speaking to her. But Percy really stepped up to the plate and helped her, right? Wrong. He just started drinking more, and he kind of was seeing more women, one being her own sister Claire. Oh god, I hate this guy. Claire was even worse, but I'm just not gonna get into that. He was even encouraging Mary to get with their friend Hog. Hog, what an attractive name. Anyway, she was like, no. She was kind of pretending to be, you know, accepting of this whole free love thing, but it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's all great, but not when it comes to my man. Unsurprisingly, this caused a lot of tension between her and Claire. And if this time wasn't hard enough already, she also had to deal with Percy being away for long periods of time to dodge tax collectors and be with his wife and newborn. Percy was staying in contact with his wife and he even had the audacity to send her letters being like, hey, can you just uh, give me some money so I can support my new girlfriend and her sister? And then like other times he'd be like, hey, sweetie, like don't be such a party pooper. Just like come and join us. Like, you know, one big family. 
it was weird they were like sister wives or something things went from bad to worse when mary gave birth to a daughter two weeks premature and sadly her baby passed away two weeks later this would have a really profound effect on mary and she started to really doubt her life decisions and she was starting to think that all of these bad things were happening as a kind of a curse for dating a married man the loss of her child sent mary into a spiral of depression and not much else is known about this time because her diary's been lost. But we do know that she gave birth to another child called William. We know her sister Claire had been busy though because now she was pregnant with Lord Byron's baby. Honestly, I can't even keep up with all these relationships. Like, when did they even have time to get together? Lord Byron was kind of the Mick Jagger of his time and he had a lot of baby mamas, so Claire was kind of one of many. So it's the summer of 1816, Mary's 18, and Claire arranges for the three of them to take a trip to Geneva to visit her baby daddy, Lord Byron. And this is where Frankenstein was born. Unlucky for them, this became known as the Earth Summer. There was a relentless wind of rain and they spent most of their time indoors kind of like us. One night they got to reading a book of German ghost stories and they decided to have a little competition. God, that's so productive. My friends just kind of sitting around and gossip. For the first few days, Mary was really anxious because everyone was writing away and she couldn't really think of an idea. But luckily one night she had a dream that this doctor managed to bring a corpse back to life. Honestly, I'm so jealous of these people having dreams and then kind of creating things out of them. I just have these like nonsensical dreams. Like wasn't Terminator a dream? I don't know. But anyway, she also had a dream in previous times that she was able to bring her daughter back from the dead by kind of warming her by the fire. So I guess these two kind of things molded together to create the start of the story for Frankenstein. It started as a short story, but Percy was so impressed that he actually encouraged her to develop it into a full novel. Staying in the house as well was this guy called Polidori, and he wrote a book called The Vampire, which later influenced Bram Stoker while writing Dracula. And if you haven't heard my last podcast, give it a listen. Oh, that was such a smooth plug. After the summer, they moved back to England, but this time they moved to Bath because they kind of wanted to keep her sister's pregnancy on the down low. When they arrived in Bath, Mary started getting letters from her older sister, Fanny. Remember the one her mom had out of wedlock? Yeah, that one. Fanny was feeling really low and honestly I really feel for her. It must have been so hard living at home in this environment and having her two sisters away and then kind of having her dad not talk to her sisters. It, kind of, it must have been kind of isolating. A few months later, she sadly died by suicide and only a few months after that, Percy's wife Harriet passed away by suicide too. It's really sad and it's really hard to talk about but these deaths had a huge impact on Mary so it's important that we mention them. Within the same month of his wife passing away, Mary and Percy got married. It wasn't really even out of love, it was mostly just so that he had a better chance of regaining custody of his kids, which didn't happen. Mary's parents did come to the wedding, but it ended in a big huge row, so it definitely wasn't the happiest day of her life by any stretch of the imagination. About a month later, Claire gave birth to a daughter she named Allegra and Mary gave birth to her third child who she named Clara. She also finished writing Frankenstein and it was published anonymously in January 1818. It was pretty common for books to be published anonymously back then, but it also could have been to kind of keep custody of her kids. And she also got her dad and Percy to contribute something to the start of the book. And because of this, many people thought that Percy wrote it and this really annoyed her. Soon they're on the move again to escape debt collectors and to also make sure they didn't lose custody of their kids because they were kind of living this unconventional lifestyle. 
They also were kind of sick because they'd been living in damp conditions, so they chose to go to Italy. They also chose Italy because Claire was giving custody of her child Allegra over to her father, Lord Byron, and he was staying in Italy. He spent this time traveling and writing and making friends, and everything was really good. But things took a turn when Mary and Percy's two children passed away within less than a year of each other. This understandably put a huge strain on their relationship, and Mary spiraled into a depression. Percy wrote in his journal about this time, and he said, my dearest Mary, wherefore hast thou gone and left me in this dreary world alone? So that just really gets across how horrible things were for them both. But some good news, around a year later she gave birth to her fourth child, Percy Florence, and this really raised her spirits. Obviously she was still grieving the loss of her other children, so she really spent this time channeling all that emotion into writing, and she wrote two more novels and two plays. I wish I could say things improved after this. During the summer of 1822, Claire got the news that Allegra had passed away. Basically, Lord Byron had sent her off to a convent and she had a disease and sadly passed away at the age of five. Around this time as well, Mary had another miscarriage and almost died. Luckily, Percy had the bright idea to make her sit in cold water and this actually saved her life. So by now, she'd experienced five pregnancies by the age of 25. That's so tough. I can't even imagine the strain that put on her mentally, but like also physically. Later on that summer, Percy wanted to blow off some steam. It had obviously been a really tough and stressful time at home, so he spent a few days boating with his friends. On one of the days there, there was really bad weather, and this big storm happened and the boat sank. He and his friends all passed away. This absolutely destroyed Mary. She wrote in her journal about finding out. She said, The paper fell from me and I trembled all over. So I think that just really captures her complete shock and her devastation. And now she was widowed in her late 20s and she lost the only man she'd ever loved, her closest companion. She had this child to raise and she also had all these money worries. I cannot even imagine how she must have felt. She's a much stronger woman than she's given credit for. So that's why I'm kind of happy I get to share her story today. Something interesting I found out was that when Percy Shelley was cremated, his heart didn't burn. Apparently it was calcified, which means there was bone growing on the outside. But personally, I think it was evidence that he was a bit of a... He was a great poet though. Strangely enough, Mary Shelley actually kept his heart. She kept it in a silk bag wrapped in the last poem he ever wrote called Adonais. And spookily enough, this was actually an elegy he wrote for John Keats. You know, I guess Mary Shelley just didn't have the heart to give him up. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was probably a bit of an insensitive joke. With nowhere to turn, she moved back in with her father and stepmother and focused on raising Percy and writing. She worked for Lord Byron, transcribing his poems and managing the publication of Percy's poems. She also started writing a memoir for Boatmen. You know, as I, I guess I kind of glossed over earlier, but Frankenstein did reach some success. Her dad is really proud of her. The novel was developed into a play and staged in London in 1823. So she's one of the very few classic novelists who actually got to see their book reach some level of success. She also republished the book in 1831 and this time she made it less gory and it kind of reflected more conservative views. I guess this was her way of trying to reclaim her reputation because she was still kind of blacklisted by society at this point. She didn't really have that many trustworthy friends and she was also still struggling for money. However, she was contacted by a number of eligible bachelors, including the guy who wrote The Headless Horseman. Imagine if they actually got together, they would have been the ultimate Halloween para couple. But by now she was like pretty dumb with men and she was like, I've already married a genius, like I don't need to marry another one again. But what I do think is really interesting and lesser known is that she used the little money that she did have to help other women who were also kind of downtrodden by society, such as single moms or divorced women. 
In the last few years of her life, she began having speech problems and she would get paralysis in parts of her body until it was discovered that she had a brain tumour. Sadly, she passed away at the young age of 53. If you're wondering about her son Percy, he grew up and lived a very low-key life. He didn't really want to follow in the footsteps of his parents, which is very understandable because, you know, he really got to see the kind of dark side of this lifestyle. I feel like people either want to be exactly like their parents or totally different. So there you have it, Mary Shelley's life in a nutshell, with more ups and downs than any novel. But speaking of the book, what's the hype and what does it mean? To be honest, when I said this in college, I read it and I was like, oh, you know, it's fine, I already get it, you know, it's a bit weird. But then once it was actually explained to me, I was like, oh yeah, no, I actually see what she's trying to do, that's pretty cool. So it's known as a gothic romantic novel. And despite the name, sadly, it's not a cool, grungy love story between two goths. The romantics were actually these writers and they really believed in celebrating big emotions and nature and they're kind of against the Industrial Revolution. But Frankenstein actually isn't really against the Industrial Revolution or science. It's more like, you know, you can go experimenting on dead bodies and stuff but you know just be responsible you know mary is kind of like i'm not a regular romantic i'm a cool romantic as i said mary was a real pioneer because she pretty much invented the science fiction genre because this was one of the first books that had science as an integral part of the plot i guess she was inspired because around this time society was really excited about this new method called galvanizing which is basically when you use electricity to cause muscle spasms in corpses scientists were really fixated on what kind of causes life so this novel really tells you a lot about society at the time the full title of the novel is actually frankenstein or the modern prometheus and if you don't know who prometheus was he was a titan and he was able to create humans out of clay so kind of like Victor Frankenstein. He also went against the other gods and the status quo and gave humans fire and this gave them knowledge and power. So like Victor you could say he was literally playing with fire. I was surprised to learn that Frankenstein Castle is actually a real place in Germany and Mary must have passed it when she was on the train to Geneva. And near this castle supposedly there is this man called Johann Conrad de Pell. He was an alchemist and he used to do experiments on animals and rumours about humans but who knows. But anyway, he created this animal oil that he called the Elixir of Life. So I think Mary must have gotten some inspiration from this story. The reason why Frankenstein is still talked about 200 years later is because throughout history, people have gotten new meanings for it. Some people see it as a political allegory. Some people see it as a feminist book. Some people see it as a biography of Mary's life. Other people just see it as a fictional tale. So there's always something to talk about. Nowadays, it's kind of like this cautionary tale for the future of artificial intelligence. Frankenstein is just a normal part of our vocabulary. For example, there's been this ongoing debate about frankenfood, which is genetically modified food. Kind of talking about like, is it ethical? So the same kind of themes as the book. You also have people that create those weird combinations, like that glazed donut burger. Frankenstein has just become a horror icon and he's inspired over 130 horror movies. First one was actually made in 1910 by Thomas Edison. Yeah, I had no idea he made movies either. My favourite Frankenstein adoption has to be Frankenweenie. I saw it for the first time a couple days ago and it was great. It was about this little kid called Victor Frankenstein and he brings his dog back to life. It was amazing. Needless to say, Frankenstein has definitely left its mark on the literary world and our culture. If Mary Shelley was to know how iconic her character would become, I'm sure she'd be shell-shocked. Hey, I'm sorry, that was a bad one. I just thought there wasn't enough jokes and I just wanted to leave you with one more. So, would I recommend Frankenstein? If we're not used to reading classics, you know, you might find it a bit of a slog, so I definitely recommend trying one of the other adoptions. I'd recommend Frankenweenie because as I said, it's amazing. But anyway guys, that's all from me. Thank you so much for listening and if you decide to read Frankenstein, happy reading. Bye!